Hey everybody, welcome to the Florida Basketball Hour. I'm Neil Blackman. On today's show, Eric Fawcett of GatorCountry.com and myself will talk about Florida's loss at Rupp Arena and preview Florida's um, what's essentially an NCAA tournament play-in game, uh, part number four, I guess, <laughs> volume four, um, against Arkansas Thursday at the SEC tournament in Nashville. Gators, of course, have had really three chances to solidify their NCAA tournament resume uh, in the last week and plus, and they haven't done it. They'll get maybe uh, one last chance against Arkansas on Thursday, so we'll talk about that game as well. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. I am Neil Blackman. I am with Eric Fawcett, GatorCountry.com. We're going to talk about kind of a hard-fought game uh, today at Rupp Arena. Um, that it was a bit of a rock fight. I mean, it wasn't really a poorly played basketball game, in my view. Kind of interested on, <laughs> on Eric's take. thought it was, I don't know if it was a great game, but it was reasonably well played. Um, and, you know, Florida comes up short. Uh, you know, they kind of had one of their vintage scoring droughts. Let's get Eric's thoughts on, uh, on the loss. Right. Well, I mean, I didn't think that Florida played particularly well in the first half. Um, I actually thought they played quite poorly in the first half. And uh, the way that they came out with the lead was just crazy. And I think that that was uh, obviously an undeserved lead. And uh, when you have those opportunities, when you go into halftime and you probably shouldn't be up and you are, or maybe it's a one possession game where it probably should be more than that. uh, There's kind of two ways it goes. It's uh, either you say, or, you know, either kind of works out that the Gators come out and they start playing better basketball and because they already have a lead or because the game is close, then they can take it over um, mm-hmm. or things kind of get back to uh, get back to the median. And I think that's what happened a little bit. I, I didn't think Florida deserved to be up. And uh, I think they kind of kept the same quality of basketball in the second half and uh, Kentucky kind of tightened it up and that led to Kentucky kind of just controlling the game. So uh, I, I just didn't think that, that Florida had great rhythm. I thought they got taken out of their offense by Kentucky's defense and uh, I thought the uh, I thought that the shot selection of, of Jalen Hudson and uh, and Kayvon Allen was was atrocious at times and ruined any flow that the Gators did have. And yeah, I just uh, I, I was I didn't find it to be a very encouraging game. Uh, what about you? So I guess I have a little different take on it, and, and I guess my my view is <clears throat> that uh, Florida played really well defensively against a very efficient offense. Um, I thought that they, I mean, they, they certainly, well, first of all, it was Kentucky's third worst game of the season in terms of points per possession. Mm. So, and they're worst at home by some distance, uh, by almost 0.12. So, um, so statistically, you know, Florida played good defense. Uh, I also, I just think Florida, and, and a lot of it was mostly, uh, you know, in fact, a lot of it was Kavari's A's, <laughs> but, but Florida, uh, you know, again, had one of these halves where they really frustrated Kentucky. Kentucky had a seven-minute drought without a field goal at one point in the game, which kind of allowed Florida to – because I'm with Eric in terms of Florida's offense. Um, you know, and I thought Florida had shots, in fact, because their defense was so good. Florida had multiple opportunities to extend their lead at the end of the first half in the last four-minute segment. Uh, Mike Ocaro missed a wide-open three-pointer. 
Mm. Uh, Kayvon Allen on a blob play that was perfect. Uh, almost a five-second violation, but not one. We know we talked about patience. Um, Kayvon Allen misses not even close to hitting that shot at the end of the half. Uh, they had another possession where they got a drive and kick out. Jalen Hudson, three-pointer, brick. Uh, so, you know, Florida goes 11 of 14 on offense against one of the best front courts in the country. Um, minus Reed Travis, but still a pretty imposing front court from a physicality standpoint. Uh, they did a lot of that work with Nick Richards in the game, who's a really good, high-quality post defender. He can't score, but he's a great defensive player. Um, so I thought, you know, there were some really – there were some positives. I guess I saw more positives than than Eric did, uh, particularly, you know, just with Florida defensively. But the thing is, like, if you're going to play Kentucky – the bugaboo with Florida's defense, I thought, was that they fouled too much. Um, and that really hasn't been a big problem for the Gators this season. Uh, but Kentucky was really effective, especially in the second half. Getting the lane, getting fouls, getting contact. And I did talk about how I thought the officials were a little uneven. Um, but you can kind of expect that in Rupp Arena, and not just Rupp Arena this year in the SEC. I mean, it's been a lot of that up and down um, stuff. So Florida shoots far less free throws than the Wildcats. And, um, you know, that really was the difference in the game when you look at the box score. Right. I mean, Florida did keep them to uh, – uh, kind of did keep them to uh, to a pretty, like, low field goal percentage. Like, they shot – Kentucky was at, like, 41 point something uh, field goal percent. But um, it was the offensive rebounds that kept those trips alive and also the way that they fouled. Uh, that kind of uh, still made me feel as though the Gators didn't defend super well, even though the metrics kind of say so. Because to me, if you if you get scrambled – and uh, because you're scrambled on defense, you give up an offensive rebound and they score because of it. I know that kind of like shows one for that shows that it took, you know, two possessions to score that one basket. But like, you know, just kind of right. feels feels like one to me a little bit. So uh, and there's even times where Florida was in that zone to, at the end of the second half where I mean, Kentucky was really getting Florida worked around. But then they would just throw a bad pass because uh, Florida just kind of confused them. And I think they Kentucky had kind of more space and time than they expected. Or um, there was a really nice charge taken by Kavarius Hayes, uh, but at the same time it was Keldon Johnson so wide open in the middle of the lane. I, I think he had too many <laughs> options and it's uh, and just kind of took himself out of control. So there was um, a couple of possessions where I was like, oh man, Florida's like this zone is distorting. Um, but then it ended up with, uh, with Kentucky kicking the ball around. So um, yeah, but metrics wise, yeah, Florida played well defensively. And um, it's really crazy too, because I mean, you see the way that Florida shot forty four percent from the from the uh, from the field, and it's just like that's that's not a bad number at all. But I mean, it just really no. felt like the offense was not that good. Whether you want to look at the um, the raw fifty seven points, I know it was kind of a low possession game, or even just uh, just by the eye test, uh, it just really didn't seem like Florida was. It seemed like Florida was kind of really horrendous offensively to me. Um, but but the numbers actually say that they were actually not too bad. So I thought, you know, Lee Humphrey mentions on the broadcast that Florida's backdoor actions were pretty good. And like, I went back and watched a few of them, like using the fast forward button. And yeah, I mean, I think I tweeted at some point in the game that I thought Florida was doing some things that were effective in terms of getting backdoor. And uh, Humphrey was right. They were. Florida also had a low turnover number at six. And, um, you know, normally if you have six turnovers on the road against a top 10 team, you're going to have a chance to win. 
And, you know, obviously for the last seven or eight minutes of the game, Florida really didn't have a chance to win because they couldn't make any shots. They go eight of 30, the trio of Nimhart, Hudson, and Allen. Um, you know, and when, you, when you're relying on the uh, low post efficiency of Isaiah Stokes and Cavarius Hayes to win you a game, that's probably not the best thing. Um, I also thought Florida was affected by Keontae Johnson's foul trouble offensively. I thought that their best moments came when Keontae was available to sort of attack the basket. And once he got the third foul and the fourth foul, he was a little less effective at doing that because he can make the kind of grown man buckets that P.J. Washington made right when the game was really tight in the second half. They could go to P.J. Washington. And, you know, one of them, Florida didn't double, which I thought was kind of silly because of where he caught the ball because um, Florida traditionally will double or at least dig down in those situations, and they didn't. So it's just Washington one and one to hit that little turnaround that he hits really efficiently. Or, But a couple times, you know, I mean, they had guys on his hip and double teams, and Washington just made shots. Um, but it wasn't a game where, where Kentucky made a lot of shots. Again, a little minor disagreement with Eric. Like, I thought Florida's zone really did bother Kentucky, and I thought – the way that Florida rotated in it really kind of kept Tyler Hero from being a huge influence on the game. Although of course he had the amazing little Euro step basket at a point in time when Florida had got it down to seven around the eight minute mark. Um, and that, that came on the back end of a Jalen Hudson Gators get a stop after a basket go down and Jalen not even close on a three pointer after a nice drive and kick. So Florida, um, you know, again, just didn't execute at a high enough level offensively to win the game and, and didn't hit enough shots to win the game. And, and that's a shame because they kind of got high-level performances um, from the bench in Micah Karu, and they got a high-level performance from Kavarius Hayes, who I think is playing the best basketball of his life. He really did, and I thought that, I, obviously, like you mentioned too, Stokes probably had uh, some of his best moments of the year. I, I certainly think so. Um, there's obviously the pump, uh, pump fake got him into the lane and then the dunk, which was awesome. But um, uh, I really, really liked his, uh, his pick and roll finish where he got the ball, uh, shielded a defender with one. Yeah. Good finish. pass by Mike too. Right. Yeah. Really good stuff. And that's um, yeah, it's just, it's just, what's really crazy to me is that at this point of the year, um, you know, you, you look at the way that Florida's front court has taken a lot of heat this year. Um, you take a look at the injuries to a bunch of guys that would be coming off the bench and uh, the departure of uh, with, you know, in departure of Chase Johnson and, uh, and Gak being injured. And um, you just look at all these kind of things that went wrong. And um, you would think that it would be the depth that it would be the thing we're talking about, about what's losing Florida games. And it's, it's really not. It's the fact that um, it's their, their wings that need to be the primary options in the scores that have been the problem these last few weeks. And even for a lot of times of, of the entire season, just like um, in the non-conference before, uh, early in the season, it was Jalen Hudson and, and Kayvon Allen that were playing quite poorly. And now that we're kind of near the end of the season, that's a little bit of the same case. And it's just, a, it's not a narrative I really kind of expected. And uh, yeah, on no, nights, it's once really again, surprising. yeah, that I thought Okaru played really, really well defensively um, and obviously hits, hit a couple shots. And we also saw some of the best, uh, the best minutes from, from Stokes. And uh, that should, that should be those two things happening on the same night should be enough to, to win against a lot of teams. And uh, unfortunately it's, Oh no. Uh, Kayvon Allen is just, uh, uh, doesn't look engaged on, on either side of the ball again. And uh, Jalen Hudson is wasting possessions by taking fall away floaters behind the backboard. And 
Um, that is just that, that, <laughs> that is really too bad. Yeah. I mean, look, uh, Keontae Johnson is, is a guy that plays only 12 minutes. Um, and, and when he was in the game, he, he had one really nice drive and layup, but you know, he also had five rebounds in that span. Uh, um, so you can just tell what he offers Florida on the glass. And then, you know, I counted in possessions where he was out there, Florida scored 20 points. So that's 20 of your 57 in the 12 minutes he's on the floor. That's a pretty substantial, that's a significant impact. Um, And and he he just can't, you know, I I don't know. It's interesting that that's the number that it was at. Well, I mean, you mentioned how much his foul trouble hurt the team. And I I just, I totally agree because this is the kind of the way I see it. I mean, uh, you can look at the the flashes of Jalen Hudson's scoring um, when he's kind of out there at the four. He's kind of the you know if Keontae Johnson's not at the four, it's uh, it's Hudson. And uh, you look, there's the individual scoring that is sometimes there for Hudson. But I mean, if you the way that I, the way that I see it with uh, with the kind of possessions he wastes with taking horrible shots, I honestly think the <laughs> offense flows better with Keontae Johnson on the floor. So I, I really think Florida is a better offensive team with Keontae Johnson out there. And on the defensive end, I think Keontae Johnson's way better. If a shot comes up and hits the rim on either side of the floor, Keontae Johnson is way better rebounding the basketball. So you just look at all these elements in the game. I, I, I think Keontae Johnson's obviously their best option at four and uh, one of their most important players. So the fact that he was uh, uh, just got some pretty bad foul calls on him, just uh, ones I did not think needed to be called, that just really hurt the team. And uh, I, I think that, that was one of the things that – you know, if he plays a full 32 minutes or something, this game could be very different. Yeah, and I want to address that because I feel like, look, Kentucky is really good at getting fouled, and they don't foul a lot. Florida is a defense that has a decent defensive foul rate. Um, it's a little better on the Haslam metrics than any of the Ken Palm ones. Um, but the point being that neither of those teams fouls a ton, right, Eric? Um, right. And – one of them is way better at getting to the free throw line than the other one. Although Florida has been better at it in the last three weeks. I think that's fair to say. So yes. in the first, <laughs> in the first game, uh, Kentucky out free throws Florida at home by a pr- pretty high figure. Um, 17 more free throw attempts. They get 21 more in Rupp. Uh, <laughs> so you know, I mean, I, it's just one of those things where you're kind of like, they both have pretty similar foul rates. Is Kentucky really 40 free throws more? I think you don't understand what I'm saying. Like, it just seems a little, a little uneven. There were, and, and there were a couple drives in Kentucky's sort of run to reclaim the lead. Florida led 41-40. And Kentucky kind of reclaims and takes over the game from there. And three or four of those possessions in a row where the Gators would have decent drives, actually – particularly one by Jalen Hudson where there was very clearly contact and, and he should have gone to the free throw line. It's not called on the other end. Keldon Johnson <laughs> drives out of control, probably travels and then kind of throws a prayer up at the rim and they get a whistle. Um, and that was on Keontae Johnson, by the way. So yeah, I mean, I'm with, I'm with Eric on some of that. I thought, uh, I think that was on Keontae Johnson. So, uh, you know, that's just, one of those things that, that happened today that, that was uh, pretty unfortunate because Florida really, as Eric said, uh, they needed to rebound better if they were going to shoot eight for 30. 
Remember, the way they extended their lead at home against Kentucky in the first game was really by competing on the offensive glass, right? And the way they did that was through Keontae Johnson. Yeah, he's just become such an important player, and that's something I would have, I would have never kind of <laughs> expected. But um, at that, and that just kind of is, it's kind of the unfortunate nature of where we're at in the season, where uh, Keontae Johnson being in foul trouble is suddenly a, ma- a major, major issue. Uh, and that just kind of says a lot to, about also just kind of Florida's future. And, um, and I mean, by the fact that the fact that Keontae Johnson um, being in foul trouble is such an issue is just, you know, kind of inherently shows that this uh, some of the upperclassmen just have not been um, have not been up to par because it should not be the case right now that, uh, oh, Keontae Johnson's in foul trouble. Um, th- this is a major hit to the team. Yeah, I mean, look, um first game in a few that P.J. Washington doesn't get a double-double, but he was really close. I mentioned the Tyler Hero. I thought Florida did a nice job on him, but he still ends up with 16 points, right? Six of 11 from the field. Because you just give him an inch and he hits shots, especially on those home rims. He obviously really sees the ball well there, the rim there. Um, and, and Florida just didn't have an answer for any of that, and they didn't have it from the players they needed it from. You know, Hudson goes 6 of 16, but it felt worse than that, right? <laughs> And, uh, right. and, and again, just a, basically a no-show from Kayvon Allen. Well, yeah, and the 6-for-16 six number from Hudson is a little bit inflated, too, from the fact that uh, two of those buckets were kind of a garbage, like, not really garbage time, but, like, you know, pretty, pretty uncontested ones late, um, right at the rim off, off passes from Nemhard, so. Well, they had their um, senior yeah. walk-on in for at least one of them, so. Yeah, but I mean, like, okay, Kayvon, I'm going to ask you to do a question and I, I'm going to acknowledge first of all that there's absolutely no way you can actually answer this. Um, but do your best anyways. So he takes sixteen shots. Um, how many of those do you think were good shots? Like regardless of whether the, the ball went in or not, how many of those do you think were, were good looks? You know what because you and I have have harped on this all season, I'm just gonna I'm gonna go with a conservative estimate of five because I know <laughs> I know for a fact that three of them were. Right. And by the and way, you the, you the three I'm referencing, earlier. he he missed every one of them. I was going to say you mentioned the the best looks. Other than you know he he had one <laughs> obviously the nice finish to kind of open the uh, open the second half off the uh, he had a layup off the Princeton kind of chin cut that we talked about right easy one that's yeah, a great look. Beautiful. But I mean, like you said, I mean he took 16 shots and I, I I truly think that that 10 or 11 of them were awful shots, and that's just so I'm counting. Did you think that that you, you you know that he took the step through? And kind of, it wasn't a floater. Instead, he, he actually yes. stepped through, and then he missed short. Like, I'm actually giving him extra credit for that as a good shot. So I don't even know if you think that was. And maybe I'm being too nice, and I'm just happy he didn't take the floater. Hey, well, I mean, that shot, Florida had numbers. So I, I don't think that's a good shot. I mean, I wouldn't try. Sorry. <laughs> I said most of his shots were terrible shots. Um, I wouldn't, you know, maybe not an atrocious shot. But I, again, like... With with 22 seconds on the shot clock, do you, I just don't think that's the best thing Florida could get. And that's just, um, yeah, I know that I've just been like shot selection is something that anyone who listens to this podcast knows. It's, it's just something I harp on, and I, there's probably a few listeners who just like think I'm a huge nerd for it. But I mean, <laughs> if if like let's like if Andrew Nemhart came down the floor and and dribbled the ball off his foot repeatedly, five turnovers in a game, people would say like like that's terrible. He should never touch the floor. But if someone kind of runs up and takes shots that have like an 11% chance of going in and they do it with 
22 seconds on the shot clock. Uh, I know that there's, you know, some chance that that ball goes in, but um, to me, a really bad shot on offense is, is kind of like a turnover, except sometimes on a turnover, the ball goes out of bounds and you can set your defense. So many of right. so many bad, so many bad jump shots mean numbers going the other way. And that's what happened again uh, tonight or today against, uh, against the Kentucky team that loves to is a really good rebounding team and loves to get out and run. And a lot of those really bad looks from Jalen Hudson ended up in Florida's hoop because they couldn't get their defense set. So right. um, I, I know that I probably harp on shot selection more than a lot of people. And some people are probably tired of listening to it. Um, but yeah, I just, I just think it's so important. And um, on a night where Florida didn't get any rhythm, I, I just think that uh, that, that uh, really didn't help. And, um, you know, you were talking about uh, even just came on Allen about how he even, you know, passed up some shots uh, and, and then took some tough ones. I mean, that's, kind of shot selection too. I, I think that there was some, some shots he didn't take that it would have been best for the team if he took some of these, uh, these kind of jump shot opportunities that he had, but uh, yeah, I was thinking of one. In, yeah. Sorry. I was thinking of one in particular uh, when the game was still, you know, very much in the balance. I think it was, I'm looking at it now. It was 47, 42 at this point. And by the way, I had it mixed up. The, the Johnson out-of-control drive, they called that foul on Nimhard, and Nimhard walked away shaking his head. Um, yeah. <laughs> because I think Kelton Wonderful. clearly – Yeah, clearly Kelton traveled. And by the way, Eric and I probably agree on this. I, I don't know this for a fact and should have asked him off air. But, like, when Andrew Nimhard walks away shaking his head, it's probably not a foul. Like, he's that smart a player. <laughs> he, he, has that, he has that kind of respect level with me. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, it's just – yeah, if Andrew doesn't think it's a foul, that's a good hint. Um, but but it was the fourth foul on Keontae Johnson was on a Tyler Hero drive where there really wasn't a lot there, actually, uh, in my view. And that happened about two minutes later. So the play I'm talking about, though, is at 47-42, and um, Kayvon came off the ball screen and uh, passes up the open three. And then Florida ends up getting it back to Nimard, who has to take like a sideways three pointer <laughs> off the board. And it was just like, what are you doing? Like, you ran the set to get the shot for Kayvon or to have him and shoot. And the Kentucky player decided to play under, under the screen, right? So it's a pretty simple decision. What, what is Kayvon Allen thinking? Which leads to the next question. What does Florida do with Kayvon Allen now, you know, the, the, the season's almost over. So, you know, what do you do? Yeah, that's, it's, it's really tough because I mean, as a, as a senior deep into his senior season, I just don't think that there's kind of, yeah, I, I, like I said, I think he's struggled with shot selection his whole career and doesn't know when he should be aggressive versus when he should um, be passive and, and try to get set his teammates up to score. And, I mean, if he doesn't have it at this point, I'm just not totally sure he's, well, you know, I'd be pretty sure he's not going to get it. And if he's just going to be that, um, that kind of disengaged at this point, it's, it's, it's really difficult. So um, I I probably think that Florida should take him off the bench again. And uh, I I do wonder too, if, um, if Florida is going to have Jalen Hudson out there as a really kind of focal part of the offense, um, I kind of do think, and, and obviously with, with Noah Locke kind of, his shot just seems broken. If you, you know, hit the side of the backboard on that one corner three, which yeah, is it was bad. just a shame he because he didn't shoot again. I don't think. 
Well, it just hurt it. It just, you could just see that his shot doesn't look the same. And I, I really feel for him, but, um, but yeah, I, I kind of think you should maybe get, I, I think you could have a guy like Okaro out there. Who's really going to kind of keep the ball moving on offense and is going to play with a little flyer. And um, I just wonder if they just, yeah, keep, keep using Kayvon Allen off the bench and, and maybe he finds a particular matchup that he particularly likes against, uh, you know, an Arkansas team that he uh, likes to play against, even though this one will be uh, on a neutral court. Um, but, uh, I, I just think, I, I think when you've got him and, and Jalen Hudson on the floor at the same time, uh, those are two guys that it's pretty tough to kind of run the, the offense. I think my wife wants to run with both those guys on the floor, quite frankly, because one of them is either going to, uh, take a shot before the play is ran, or it's going to be, it's going to go right to them and they're not going to shoot when they need to. So, um, I think you maybe try to stagger those two a little bit, um, and, and maybe kind of create different lineups that way and I mean um, actually something we didn't even really talk about today was how many different lineups they used not even just getting Okaro into the mix more um, but this was the first game I think we saw kind of more extended minutes from uh, uh, playing Dante Bassett and Kamari's Hayes at the same time or Stokes and Hayes at the same time and I wonder if they try some uh, some bigger lineups that just kind of gives less guard minutes and then maybe gets less of a role for Kayvon. So I kind of felt like they, yeah, I thought that they might have seen something that they liked out of the out of going multiple bigs against LSU um, when they watched it on video, and and maybe that's kind of what happened. I also think that I mean they obviously brought Kayvon in pretty quickly off the bench, yeah, and they get this seven second situation and great camera work by the CBS guys, even if it was by accident. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe it's not. You never know who's behind those cameras. But, I mean, they get Mike White giving Kayvon instructions and pointing at the shot clock, right? (laughs) (laughs) And he comes into the game and doesn't get the shot off. And so he goes right back to the bench. And people were mad. They're like, oh, why did he come in? Noah Locke just made a nice play on the defensive end after making a nice play on the offensive end. That's a strange time to substitute. I'm like, I think that was probably scripted and planned. And, you know, yeah, sit back down if you're not, if that's how, if that's the way you're going to play, then you've had now two consecutive possessions where with seven seconds to shoot, you didn't get a shot off one in the LSU game and one in the Kentucky game. And it's, you know, it's time for you to kind of get your head right. But it was definitely the lowest number of minutes that Kayvon's played his senior season. Um, so I guess the staff is kind of answering our question for us. It just, it really does put Florida in such a tough spot when you have to like, monitor the minutes of your leading score <laughs> right and uh, i mean i think that uh obviously he's the one thing that um that came on allen has over someone like jalen hudson i guess who's uh plays a similar kind of trigger happy game sometimes is that came on out does defend <laughs> so right. you love to point out when i'm uh railing on a shot selection um <laughs> and and at least that does mean that you know like if some other guys are firing came on allen can kind of just exist out there as a role player essentially and uh, if you can just even have him as, as someone who is a bit of a floor spacer, if, if, uh, if Isaiah Stokes is on the floor as uh, you know, and they're playing some pick and roll with him, something we might see more of after it was uh, uh, after it was kind of effective on a couple of plays against Kentucky. And uh, uh, you know, maybe they want to use that a little bit more, like at least Kayvon Allen is, is can be a spot up guy who at least goes and defends on the other end. Uh, I yeah. just think that's uh, trying to put the ball in his hands and make him a decision maker um, I, I just don't think that's the best way to use him right now. 
No, I would agree. And, and, um, and it, you know, it's, it's a tough one because you are getting ready to play, um, Arkansas in the, in the SEC tournament. And so, uh, you know, that's a school that he's obviously played his best basketball against in his career. Um, you know, and he was certainly instrumental in Florida's first win over Arkansas, although a lot of that work was at the free throw line. Um, your kind of initial thoughts on, on that being the matchup. Yeah. I mean, it's one that, uh, uh, you know, it's funny that we uh, obviously talked about uh, what team we'd hope they faced and uh, <laughs> went the other way, of course, but uh, uh, yeah, it's one that's uh, looking back on the game that, that Florida played that uh, once again, I, they weren't, uh, that was one where they shot six for 26 from the three point line. Um, yeah. 31% shot... from the field. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and I was going to say, they, they shot 37% of two-point shots. Um, but, yeah, it still kind of kept <laughs> things ahead. But, but I mean, that was early in the season. And, and Isaiah Joe is a freshman that, I mean, I, I, I really like. And uh, he's he kind of caught fire a few times in the non-conference. And, and he played really poorly against the Gators. But, you know, by the end of, um, you know, at this point of the season with a, a, a full SEC slate kind of uh, under his belt, I, I think they'll probably get a little more um, – you know, kind of a little more uh, production from him. And then um, even Daniel Gafford was, was not his kind of normal self. Um, but yeah, it was kind of funny because, you know, in the, put it in the, uh, the category of obviously guys that are not maybe always elite scores that just had massive games against the Gators. Uh, Mason Jones having 30 points against the Gators. Um, <laughs> that was something that was pretty, uh, uh, pretty wild. And, and he was another yeah. guy who got to the free throw and free throw line a ton, but, but yeah, there's a, there's a couple matchups like that that do, uh, do scare me a little bit. I think that they've got, uh, they've got some really good length. And um, that was something that again was, was very apparent to me watching the Kentucky game, just how Kentucky just had so much more length at, at every position. And it was able to, to push Florida's offense out so far. Um, if I'm uh, yeah, if I'm Arkansas, if I'm their staff looking at, um, yeah, I'm not sure if they were, you know, watching this most recent game, but if so, I, I'm thinking, yeah, like, let's get six foot five Isaiah Joe and six foot five Mason Jones in the backcourt and let's try to pressure Florida's backcourt and, and push them back and try to get that Princeton offense kind of pushed far beyond the three point line, because if you can do that, it makes it a lot less effective. And then right. obviously they, they, they have uh, the, obviously the added benefit and they like to play aggressive because they know they've got Daniel Gafford behind the blocking shots. So uh, there are some things like that, that's uh, that uh, do scare me a little bit about the matchup. Yeah, it's not, I mean, it's not, you know, again, it's not the best. I mean, there's kind of a reason that I actually think Alabama is a very poor matchup for Florida. And we said that before the Alabama podcast preview, like we kind of felt like Florida had a decent chance to go up there and get a really necessary win. Um, I won't go so far as to say like Arkansas is a bad matchup for the Gators, but here's the thing. They're hot. Um, they, you know, they're, they're coming in. They've won three in a row. They're going to be confident. Florida's coming in. They've lost three in a row. Their backs are against the wall. Now, if Florida has – Eric and I disagreed about today, I guess. I felt like Florida played a little better than Eric did. Um, you know, I guess if you go up to Rupp Arena and lose by nine, I'm conditioned to, like, that not being terrible. Um, <laughs> and Florida probably deserved to win the game against LSU and did not. Um, and, you know, we've since found out uh, that, that they lost to uh, – what's probably going to be an ineligible player and that the win will be vacated as well, the SEC championship, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> um, it, you know, Daniel Gafford and Kavarius Hayes were the interesting things to me, just looking back at that game because Kavarius Hayes got in foul trouble, uh, two quick fouls in the first half and was basically a non-factor the whole game. Um, 
that can't happen Thursday, in my opinion, if Florida wants to win. Um, I'll just start there and kind of let Eric talk about uh, Daniel Gafford, who's played really good basketball the last few weeks. Right. And I mean, I, I do look back to the other matchup and I remember there was, uh, there were some times where they, uh, there was a lot of minutes for Dante Bassett. I'm not sure if that was kind of the first game that, that he was able to, uh, 23 to minutes, minutes, yeah. but yeah, I, I, but I mean, that was early in the, he had one in, in Atlanta where he played a lot, That's but true. yeah. Um, but yeah. And I mean, obviously, uh, there, it, Keith Stone or sorry, yeah, Keith Stone had to take, uh, had to take that matchup a little bit. And, um, uh, also, um, uh, they even had to, uh, or I mean, I was just going to say too, like Isaiah Stokes, I'm not sure how I like that matchup with Gafford, with Gafford being just so much more, um, both longer, taller, and quicker than, than Stokes that could present right. challenges. Um, but yeah, one thing that really, uh, that really concerns me, um, and it's just obviously something that, uh, that we've talked about a few times, um, Florida needs to figure out how they're going to do switching in this matchup because uh, I think that Arkansas does really well at using some kind of cross screening actions under the hoop or just straight ball screen actions to try to get Daniel Gafford um, covered by a smaller player. And uh, just like we kind of talked about, uh, talked about the other day against LSU where, um, or sorry, uh, we're just about how, you know, Andrew Nemhart getting stuck guarding bigs under, underneath. Um, I think that Arkansas is going to try to get switches like that, try to get Kayvon Allen guarding Daniel Gafford. Um, just trying to get any mismatch they can um, because they do have some guys who can really, really shoot the ball. Um, like uh, like Mason Jones has been a decent shooter, but uh, but yeah, they've got Isaiah Joe just uh, Desi Sills just really shooting the ball well. They space it out that way, and and it becomes kind of tough to cover. So um, I, I do think Daniel Gafford is kind of the, the number one kind of guy you have to watch for. Um, at this, but at the same time, I, I do think of the way Mason Jones is able to get in the paint against Florida so much, and um, I'll be curious to see if he can do that again. Yeah, uh, both teams really good at turning the other team over. Um, you know, Florida won the turnover battle in the first game, 16-12. Uh, if, if turning it over 12. But 12 turnovers on the road is not terrible, actually, especially against a team that turns it over as much as Arkansas. Like, it's too but it's it's not that bad against that kind of ball pressure that the Hogs like to play. Um, the Gators got 16 Arkansas turnovers in that game. Um, and, and, you know, really – actually did a pretty nice job, at least in that regard, of, of uh, bothering Daniel Gafford on dig downs, I think, and really bothering um, Gabe Osabayan, who's another guy that uh, is from Toronto, I think, uh, a yeah. Canadian player that, that they bring in in their front court. and He's really long and athletic, and, and yeah, I mean, uh, five turnovers for him in the first matchup. That's, you know, so Florida – Florida was able to do that. Uh, Arkansas turns the ball over much more than Florida. Um, when you look at that aspect of it, uh, to me, I think another thing that's really interesting is like Florida dictated tempo in a way that really bothered Arkansas in the first game. Um, and, you know, Stokes was a DNP. Uh, Stone was really a non-factor because of foul trouble. We played like 10 minutes. Um, so, Florida looks a little different, but um, Eric mentioned Sills is a guy who's really improved as the season has gone on. Um, I think Isaiah Joe has like gotten a little more comfortable with with the flow of the offense and like forced fewer shots as the season has gone on. I mean, he's a guy who can heat up like a microwave. So, can Florida dictate tempo 
and can they keep Kavarius Hayes on the floor? That those are the first two things, and then the third would be, you know, um, Jalen Hudson and, and Kayvon Allen and Andrew Nimhard in that game were nine of thirty-four from the field, which, by the way, is about what they were at Rupp today. They were eight of thirty. So, uh, do they get better performances from their three guards because they're going to need them? Because I don't think this will be a game in the fifties. Yeah, you you mentioned something a little bit earlier, just about um. Uh, teams kind of turning the ball over and how, how Florida's kind of protecting the ball pretty well. Um, but I was, I was going to bring this up earlier, actually. I just didn't see a time to. But um, something I realized kind of before the game was uh, – and I went back and looked at it. But um, earlier in the season, at the start of the SEC slate, um, kind of according to Ken Palm's turnover percentage number, there was a time where – yeah, right at the start of the SEC slate where Florida was second in the country in offensive turnover percentage. So, like, they hardly turned the ball over. And they're up to 107th right now. So and they've had some really high, high turnover games these last little yeah. well. And, and, and I do find that just like kind of a general interesting thing that Florida, who was really good at taking care of the ball last year and started the year really That's well, has now turned the ball over a ton. But anyways, um, yeah, the way that, the way that um, Arkansas can pressure the ball is, is really impressive just because uh, I think they do know that they've got, um, they've got Daniel Gafford behind them and, um, I, I'm just pretty interested if I think that they're, they're kind of the team that if, if Jalen Hudson gets the basketball, I think that they kind of just know that he's not looking to swing the ball and then cut hard. So they kind of just see blood and can kind of really pressure guys like that. And uh, I just think Florida needs to be able to, um, uh, needs to be able to, to do stuff with that pressure. And uh, you were talking about how Florida did get some action backdoor uh, against the Kentucky team that also really kind of pressured the ball in the perimeter and, and, and kind of pushed Florida's offense out. Um, Florida is going to need to be able to do that again against against Arkansas, I think. And if they can uh, if they can get some of that backdoor action, they should be able to uh, to get a layup or two that'll kind of suck everything back for Arkansas. Because it just seems like you know with these teams that really kind of want to deny ball reversal and get out in the passing lanes, it just really seems to take like one backdoor cut, one easy layup to kind of just make everyone kind of take a step back. And uh, and that would be uh, that would be really fruitful, I think. Yeah, and and to that end, the the like one backdoor cut, one pass type thing, is is uh, and as we record, Murray State and and Joe Morant uh, become the first team to punch their ticket to March Madness, probably stealing a spot on the bubble for anyone interested, because I think Belmont is going to get an invitation, but um, we can debate that another time. Uh, <laughs> what was I? Oh, <laughs> Arkansas, Arkansas is prone to. If you look at their efficiency numbers, like they're in the top 50 now defensively, which they haven't been really all season until March. But Mike Anderson talks about how they're still prone to these lapses, these seven or eight, you know, how we talk about Florida's vintage scoring droughts. Arkansas is prone to these six or seven minute stretches where they just hemorrhage points. Yeah, well, I, I do think that sometimes when you, uh, when you play that kind of high pressure kind of defense, you are, you are kind of opening yourself up against teams that can beat players one-on-one and can get into the paint and they can get kind of scrambled that way. And uh, you do see that obviously, I mean, playing Isaiah Joe and Desi Stills, like those are, uh, yeah, those are freshmen that can kind of get moved around a little bit. Keyshawn Embry, same thing. And um, yeah, they, they've kind of been, those lapses have kind of been, uh, uh, I, I feel like there's teams that play really fast. You've got to be kind of okay with some of those occasional stretches kind of going going the other way and I think that's what you know I watch sometimes Arkansas where they give up a basket they try to push the basketball they turn it over by pushing it over the other team goes and gets a layup Arkansas tries to push again 
uh, gets a three-point shot. It hits the back rim, and his big rebound goes the other way. And I, uh, that's kind of what you get for playing fast. And uh, I think that Florida, you know, if they could you, – you definitely don't want to turn it into a track meet with them uh, because I think they're obviously a lot more comfortable playing fast than Florida is. Uh, but if they're going to – yeah, if they're going to turn the ball over – if they're going to uh, to kind of get scrambled on defense, like you've kind of seen them in a lot of stretches this season, Florida needs to take advantage because uh, we, we just know that Florida needs any easy points they can get. Yeah, I mean, Arkansas, look, in their six-game losing streak that they had in February where they basically lost to everybody that <laughs> it didn't matter if they were good or bad. Um, you know, got beat by Missouri, got crushed by South Carolina, got run out of the gym by Auburn lost to Texas A&M. In all those games, they gave up at least 70 points. And in a couple of them, they, you know, what happened was they faced defenses and those defenses kind of forced them deep into shot clocks, which I think is what you want to do. You want to make sure that make Arkansas execute in half court offense. Um, And and Florida did a really nice job of making Arkansas do that in, in the first game. And, the teams that have done that this season have been pretty successful against uh, the Hogs. When the Hogs can dictate tempo like they did against Ole Miss or like they did against Alabama tonight, um, you know, they're a much tougher team to play. Uh, and then because you expect the game to be somewhat – like I don't think Florida will completely fail in limiting tempo. If they do, they're going to the NIT. But, um, you know, I'd put it at 11 10 or 11 turnovers because Eric mentioned it in, in three of Florida's last five games, Florida's turned the ball over at least 10 times. So today's game and the game at Vanderbilt are the only two under 10 uh, in the last five. So Florida's too many turnovers. You know, you had 12 against LSU. Uh, It's probably, you know, well, it is a Florida win. I would imagine if it's 11 or 10, right? (laughs) Just that little, those, you know, one or two extra possessions. So the Gators have to be careful there. Um, and, and sadly, it's not Andrew Nimhart. I mean, we get back to, you know, Kayvon Allen and Jalen Hudson, your seniors, just being a little loosey-goosey with the ball. Kayvon got pickpocketed tonight for one of Florida six. And, you know, it leads to transition basket the other way. Um, and this on a night where, again, not to harp on my Florida's defense was pretty good, but Florida's transition defense in particular was excellent today transition defense was really good and uh, but one thing that that's been kind of most concerning to me about the turnovers especially from uh from Kayvon Allen and, and uh, Jalen Hudson just in the fact that it wasn't like like um another guy that's kind of had turnover problems has been Keontae Johnson but the one thing about his yeah. turnovers are he usually tries to thread a pass that um is probably have probably been a little bit ambitious but if they get through it's it's a layup like a wide open layup where I mean, Jalen Hudson and, and Kayvon Allen are turning the ball over on just like nothing plays. Like uh, there was, like you said, in the one that uh, the one that came on Allen was kind of driving the ball a little bit. He kind of turned his shoulders a little bit. He wasn't really squared up to the hoop and just uh, just turned the ball over on a, on a play that was kind of just a nothing play. He, he drove the ball without a lot of passion and, and lost it. And uh, those are the turnovers that I just find really concerning for the Gators, uh, just because. Uh, one, they're kind of live ball turnovers that go the other way and, and can be transition opportunities. And two, um, yeah, those are just kind of brainless opportunities. I mean, like, or brainless turnovers. I mean, uh, yeah, Andrew Nemhart turns the ball over sometimes, but uh, they're on plays that it, he's making a pass that if it works, it's uh, it's a layup that's a 90% chance it's going in. Uh, 
those are kind of the turnovers that I, I guess, more okay with than the ones that are just like, hey, I'm driving the ball at a really bad opportunity that is likely not going to end up in points, and uh, it gets picked because I drive it to traffic. Right. I mean, the Gators had 10 against Missouri, who is another team that likes to come out and pressure the ball, right? Um, they don't have the rim protector that, <laughs> that Arkansas has, obviously. Although Florida did get uh, their big man, who's pretty good, into foul trouble. Um, but I think it's just kind of interesting because, like, Missouri's guards aren't nearly as athletic or disruptive as, as Arkansas are, right, Eric? So, like, it's right. Florida had 10 in that game, and a couple of them kind of kept Missouri in the game early. It's Missouri built their league because Florida was careless with the basketball. Yeah, and, I mean, Missouri is even not a team that's going to punish you as much in transition as uh, as Arkansas right. will be. So. Right, yeah. Yeah, that's going to be something yeah. to watch. Um I, well, I'm, look, I'm looking, Ken Palm. I'm going to change the subject once more to another Ken Palm. Sure. I was, I was kind of noticing that I wanted your, ta- uh, your kind of take on. So uh, something new to Ken Palm this year, I don't know if you looked at it much, Neil, but uh, it's a new thing that he added before this season was two foul participation. And just essentially was kind of looking at like, um, you know, how when players are in foul trouble, is the coach kind of likely to keep their players in the game with some early fouls or is he going to pull them quickly to the bench? And uh, for Florida, they are uh, – yeah, they're 278th in that metric, meaning that Coach White is really quick to pull players. Like if they get two or two fouls early or they get their third early in the second half, he's really quick to pull them. And yeah. uh, just kind of as it relates to um, uh, to the guys in foul trouble today, especially Keontae Johnson, I was just uh, – I'm curious what your take is on, on uh, Coach White's kind of um, quick pull to guys who get their uh, – get fouls early. Well, um, I mean, my take is – I think it's all situational. <laughs> I hate to say that, but it's kind of a cop-out answer. <laughs> um, I feel like he's been he's been quick with Hayes because I think he thinks he needs him defensively at the end of a game. Like he just – I can't have Kavarius Hayes foul out is kind of his mentality. And I that's one I agree with. I thought in the LSU game when he put Nimhard back in in the first half with two fouls, um, I was like – probably the only person <laughs> that I watched the game with that was really excited to see that happen. Cause I was thinking this game is for a turn, a bid to the tournament. Like you have, this is just what you do. It's what you do. And it's, he did it with Chris Chioza last year, right? Like let him play. Um, you know, and we all saw how that worked out, I guess. But uh, sometimes you have to make those decisions with, with your orchestrator offensively. So I think maybe he trust, or maybe it's just need. It's just entirely need based. What do you think? Yeah, I, it was kind of interesting. It's really uh, uh, it, this is really kind of like made me think because um, kind of when he announced this uh, this two foul participation number, he kind of also linked to this like uh, uh, this kind of study he did that he kind that Ken Palm kind, Ken Pomeroy kind of decided that he thought that uh, the coaches were too quick with to uh, to kind of pull guys, and he thought that. Um, if you leave players in, they don't pick up fouls as kind of quickly as you kind of would assume they do. But um, at the same time, when I coach, I'm usually pretty quick to, uh, to take guys out. Yeah, me too. Um, I, I'm really safe <laughs> with that. And I mean, I also think like, you know, if there's a game where Kamari Hayes does get in foul trouble, like that hurts, you know, that hurts the Gators. Um, Keontae Johnson, even a game like today, you could point to the fact that when he got back into the game after he had initial foul trouble, um, you know, he picked up his third pretty quick. 
then he had to get pulled. And when he got back in the game, he did pick up his fourth pretty quick. So it is tough. But anyways, yeah. it was just something I was interested in. Just, uh, no, it's interesting. And your take and also just uh, for the listeners, <laughs> something to think about is that when you see uh, Coach Roy going to the bench, um, when guys have foul trouble, know that um, the metrics kind of show that he actually is one of the quickest coaches to um, to pull guys with foul trouble. And uh, But yeah, I think being uh, better safe than sorry, is uh, that kind of works in a lot of situations. Yeah, no, and I'm just an assistant, so I, I shouldn't say me too because it's not totally my call. <laughs> but um, <laughs> you're in agreement. But 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 yeah, no, I mean, I I share the the idea that you probably should. Um, so I guess the last thought I had was, you know, if you want, because it sounds like Eric and I are kind of frightened by the matchup a little bit, and so I, I always like to leave people with some optimism, and and I guess the piece of optimism, and I'm interested if Eric kind of shares it, is it. Florida did shoot 31%, turn the ball over 12 times, uh, shoot 16% or whatever it was from three-point range against a team that's 292nd in the country in three-point defense. And they won anyway in Fayetteville. Yeah, no, that's, <laughs> that's something to be said. And the one thing, too, is you, know, we t- you, you were talking about tempo. And, you know, um, I think that Florida's had a lot of success against teams that want to play fast this year. And uh, a lot of that is due to the fact that, at least in my opinion, it's way easier for a team that wants to play slow to slow down a fast team than it is for a fast team to speed up a slow team. Um, Especially one with Andrew Nimhard, by the way. Oh, totally. Because, I mean, when you have the basketball, unless you are really picking up uh, 94 feet and trapping, um, it's really hard to speed up a team that that wants to play slow. So if you're a team that your identity is kind of – rooted in the fact that you want to play fast, it's going to be tough to do that against Florida. And, uh, and yeah, anyways, the Arkansas is a team that kind of their DNA is let's try to make this a, a, a fast pace kind of full court. Game. Frenetic. Let's not, yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's try to make the game scrambly and let's try to, uh, and even in the half court defense, the way that they, they do kind of pressure really um, hard in the perimeter. They do try to speed it up a little bit that way, but um, I do think that uh, that pace is going to favor Florida just because if the pace is, anything but really fast it's it's probably going to favor florida and i do think florida is going to be able to make this game not really fast and uh, the other thing i do think that's kind of encouraging is just the fact that um that even though that like you got daniel gafford i do think is a really really good player but it's not like um you know they don't uh they don't uh, they don't really pound you on the glass it's not like even after florida's you know had to deal with these bigs on, on kentucky and lsu these last two games that I've just been pounding them on the glass. Um, Arkansas is not a real team that's really going to do that to them. So I think that Florida is going to have some success keeping things to one shot. And that is uh, nice to hear after an LSU and Kentucky game where they, they gave up offensive rebounds. And um, yeah, like uh, there's, there's, there are some things like that, that, um, that, that make me think that, that Florida kind of is a good matchup with Arkansas. Um, but at the same time, um, you know, there, I think there's going to be some, some situations where, um, Daniel Gabber is going to look just like a, a handful that's going to be really tough to deal with. And um, there might be, if, you know, if I see that first three-point shot from Isaiah Joe fall, um, then I think I'll be pretty scared. Yeah, I mean, I think, because I think when Arkansas, and it seems silly to say, like, when Arkansas is hitting shots, it, it makes Jalen Harris a little better too. But um, I kind of think that's the case. Just like, if you look at the games where they've shot the ball really well, they're all – games where he has pretty high assist numbers and so here's the deceptive thing about assist numbers because i'm kind of interested on eric's take and we'll we'll kind of close with this thought is that you know there's some point guards that are just sort of distributive point guards and then there's guys who you know do a ton of driving and kicking like we saw with with alabama or 
uh, you know, Tremont Waters, another player who really gets into the paint pretty consistently and, and can dish out. Uh, Javante Smart's another guy who can drive, and his assist numbers will go up because he passes from <laughs> positions inside. Uh, you know, Jalen Harris will have these games where he explodes for nine, ten assists. Usually those are games where Arkansas is making a lot of jump shots. Yeah, I, I, well, I think that sometimes, uh, you, yeah, you wouldn't really know it for Florida because Andrew Nemhart does not get the benefit of just a lot of these times where... But Florida never makes you know, jump you, shots, no. Yeah, <laughs> not a great jump shooting team this year, unfortunately. But, uh, but yeah, there's times where um, he can kind of be at the, the, the kind of top of the point and he gets, uh, you know, he gets the ball swung to him from one side and he swings it to the other side and it's to Isaiah Joe who squares up and shoots a jump shot and drills it. So there's assists like that for sure. And, um, the thing about these uh, these players that are drive and kick um, guys that are really good is sometimes they don't get the assist because uh, the way the basketball works a lot of times is the one uh, the first player gets a drive um, gets an advantage help has to come Second he pass, kicks it out right. to the open yeah he kicks it out to the open guy he drives and attacks a closeout and then that makes the defense scramble even more and he uh, he drops it off to Daniel Gafford for a dunk or then he kicks it out to the other uh, the other guy for an open jump shot so. Uh, you know, if basketball starts keeping hockey assists and guys get the second assist, there's uh, there'll probably be some players that, that benefit, and that's just kind of basketball. It's it's not always the uh, there's sometimes it's um the, the entire offense is started by the initial drive, and uh, that person who starts the initial drive who's most responsible for the bucket uh, won't actually get an assist. But um, yeah, this is very much throwing me back to our dribble drive conversation of a few weeks ago. Yeah, and Harris has been really good the last four games. I mean, he's had only. He's only had more than one turnover uh, in one of those games. And uh, it was one that I watched quite a bit of where that happened, which was uh, that was um, tonight um, where he had two against Alabama. And one of them was like, he just kind of overthrew an (laughs) alley-oop. So, you know, that's not a, I mean, it's, that's a bummer, I guess, but it's not as costly a turnover because it's a dead ball turnover. And I mean, if you're looking for someone to double off of, if you're Florida, I mean, Jalen Harris, uh, eight for 65 from the three-point line this year. Yeah, uh, no. 12.3%. So, uh, oh, Florida did a really good – by the way, Florida did a great job of that. I didn't mean to interrupt. They did a great well, job of that in the first game. Um, just kind of leaning off and daring him to shoot. Right. And, I mean, and he didn't. He took, three, he took three. He won't do it. Yeah, uh, he, he did a, against South Carolina and, and went five of 15, by the way, in that loss. That's crazy. I, I wish I saw that actually, but you know, what's one thing that's, <laughs> that's really interesting too is uh, to see where Florida double teams from, because sometimes they do what's a little bit more of like a, a prototypical double team where it comes from, yeah, the, the weak side baseline kind of comes from the blind spot, but then sometimes Florida actually doubles from, from one pass away and just has um, someone kind of rush down from, from the near wing and then uh, has everyone rotate around that and uh, I'm curious to see what Florida does from a double team standpoint but uh, having a guy like like Harris that is just not a very good uh, jump shooter whatsoever uh, that kind of means that Florida's probably going to be able to double from a few different sides so that'll be something uh, interesting to watch yeah it really will Um, so that's that's our show today we uh, are going to do an SEC tournament preview and then um I will flesh out with Eric and other people that I can prospectively bring in, you know, how it'll work for, for listeners, uh, should Florida win and advance. Um, I, I did want to like, I don't know if Eric had any thought about the, did you have any thought about the, about the way the bracket sets up? Because it's kind of like, 
as tough of, as 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 irritating as it is that it's not Alabama, um, which I you know I am mildly irritated that you kind of get this this real ball buster of a game in the first round, and like your NCAA life basically depends on it. Um, but if they win, you know you're talking about coachless, smartless LSU, and then. South Carolina or Auburn in a prospective semifinal. So I would say, you know, there's a path for Florida to stay in Nashville for a while. Well, I think which is so weird. That, it is. It is very weird. I mean, just to see also too, like one of the weird kind of things about Mike White's tenure has been, and I know some some of the haters definitely like to point this out, just the fact that he's not been good in uh, in NCAA tournament play. And uh, hey, while we're talking about um, you know Smart being out, did you see that Nazarene also didn't play tonight because of a injury that um occurred at some point after you know between uh dominating florida and uh and tonight's game so Nazareth <laughs> yes, also can. didn't play because of an, an injury, injury. So, uh, right right so uh, yeah. that'll be something to uh that'll be interesting to watch too because he was another guy who's uh though not directly named um really early in kind of when when there's a lot of players names kind of going around he's one of the names that was on a on one of those like sheets of paper that had a good handful of um, current current uh, NCAA players, but anyways, point being, that team could obviously look 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 very different if Florida were to see them play. So, um, yeah, I'm not I'm not going to lie to you though. I I actually have have not looked at the bracket once. I saw who Florida, I you know I knew who Florida was going to play, and uh, I kind of I don't know if it was just like I went into like full like coach mode or whatever, but I just like I I really just want Florida to win this game and and, and kind of move on, and I I didn't even really look past it, which. Uh, kind of says a lot about the desperation of uh, what's going on right now. Yeah, and I think Eric's mentality is the right mentality. I mean, I just kind of glanced at, at the whole LSU situation. It made me think of it inevitably because I've been kind of stewing over the LSU situation and how I think it's kind of peak this Florida team that they were so unlucky that this news didn't break like 24 hours earlier. <laughs> like, yeah. like you talk about just the sheer amount of bad juju – surrounding the skater team at times this season. And you're like, if that had broken 20, probably win. And, yeah, you know, I mean, then, then LSU just kind of limps home and they're playing for a share. And, you know, look, um, but yeah, I mean, I'm with Eric. Uh, when I say it's hard, it, it is hard because they have good players. They have a lottery pick. They're playing good basketball. Um, but at the same time, you know, Florida lost to them last year in this game. Um, and it looked like Mike White kind of took that to heart and kind of personally. I mean, they had Florida had a really good plan for them in Fayetteville. Um, and, you know, I know Eric and I kind of disagreed on today. I thought Florida played pretty well this week after the debacle against Georgia. So maybe, you know, now that they're not playing a, a top 10 team, the, the ball will bounce the other way. Yeah, you know what? I'll, I'll let you know on rewatch how I uh, how I think about today's game. Maybe that was a little bit too hard, but I'll, I'll, I'll let you watch. <laughs> you it, came out uh, swinging, which I, I appreciate. Show. I appreciate that. <laughs> but yeah, um, I, I, I'm just yeah. This is kind of Mike White has kind of shown some. There's there's been some times where Florida's played the same team um, for the second time in a season that he's just made some just incredible adjustments, and then also times where um, it hasn't gone Florida's Florida's way. Um, but yeah, I'm obviously just hoping in this uh, this scenario where both coaching staffs on both Florida and Arkansas have a good long while to to figure out how they're going to uh, to game plan things. Uh, this is kind of why basketball is just awesome in these these kind of one and done 
uh, scenarios uh, when it kind of turns into a bit of a chess match like this. So, uh, you know, for, uh, for the Mike White supporters um, like you and me, uh, this is a time that I hope he kind of really shows his, uh, his best stuff. There it is. All right, everybody. We'll be back. Thanks.